0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: It's December 10th, 2017. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we're joined by co-hosts David Fillion and Jeff Brown. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please, remember, good leadership is never about power and control but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. To be sure, each and every member of the leadership team of Working for a Living is committed to returning our union, the UAW, to a labor ethos, and that ethos then administered in the interest of all the rank-and-file members. Having said that, we certainly hope that most of you stayed safe this past week. Sadly, we had a loss of life early Saturday morning, December 9, 2017, at the Kentucky truck plant. Originally reported as an electrocution, reportedly Ford has now clarified it was not an an electrocution. And the cause of death is under investigation by the Louisville Metro Police. Yesterday afternoon, Ivan Bridgewater, Sr. posted a photo of himself and his son, Ivan Bridgewater, Jr., saying, this is a picture of me and my son, Ivan. My son was killed last night in an industrial accident at the Ford plant in Louisville, Kentucky. I am at a loss for words as I type this. If you are a member of my family, please spread the word. He left behind a beautiful wife and a wonderful son. He was a fine young man. I was very proud of him. Parents should never outlive their children. The pain is too great to bear. Sir, we are all so sad and sorry for your loss. Here in the UAW, we are all family members. So we are doing our best to spread your very sad words. As this tragedy was posted around the UAW and our closed groups, thousands of members reacted and commented. Too many to repeat, but one stands out. I went to high school with Ivan, and he was a great guy with a good head. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the family, friends, and coworkers of Ivan Bridgewater, Jr. May we all please observe a moment of silence for UAW brother Ivan Bridgewater, Jr., who untimely and prematurely left our ranks at the young age of forty-one? Thank you. Um, I don't know what. in the team a little bit and everybody's just so sad um, so we'll move on to announcements now <laughs> number one remember that team working for a living supports Medicare for everyone and removing the $127,000 limitation cap on earnings that are subject to participation in social security so that everybody pays their fair share Announcement number two, on December 4th, Jim Hoffa, Teamsters General President, wrote David Abney, CEO of UPS, about the company's implementation of an eight-day slash 70-hour work week for packaged car drivers, stating, I assure you that the union will make every effort at the bargaining table to ensure that its members will not have to pay the price of the company's mismanagement in the future, end quote. Nice to hear you standing up to testify, Brother Hoffa. By the way, just how did UPS create an eight-hour week, or an eight-day week, (laughs) an eight-day week? Eight days in one week. That's pretty good. Announcement number three, on December 6th, the Solicitor General, the President's attorney to the Supreme, U.S. Supreme Court, filed a brief supporting Janus in the Janus versus Ask Me case. That case is in an attempt to prevent all public workers from being forced to pay union dues in a closed shop, essentially destroying unions in the public sector that being government sector. On December 7th, the UAW restricted charities amid the federal probe. On December 8th, reportedly the NLRB's National Labor Relations Board, new general counsel, Peter Robb, in so many words stated he wants to stop or reverse all pro-worker board rulings of the last eight years well okay and on a lighter note this just in the Cleveland Browns keep their dreams alive of, of a, uh, keep their dreams of a perfect season alive perfect season I don't know if, how many times that's been done but good luck um, email and messages number one Keeping out eye out for one another, we are our brother and sister keeper from Kentucky. You bet, we got to watch out for one another because the company sure is not doing that for us. Let's build a little solidarity from some of these ashes. Announcement number, or email and uh, message number two. We need to start saving to strike a better contract. That's from Illinois. That was more of a message rather than an email. Uh, Number three, uh, an impressive share. I I was simply given this, and he actually bought me breakfast because I found it for him. I'm not sure about all that. Major thumb up for this article. That was the way it would come in, so we didn't edit it. That's from New York. Uh, somebody really liked an article, and they found it and give it to a, uh, one of their friends, and that person, uh, he actually bought breakfast for the other person. So <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> okay. So thanks to all of our email writers and message conveyors. We really appreciate it, and uh, many thanks. Uh, next up is our quote for the week. This is from an interesting individual, but you'll like it nonetheless. It is only through labor and painful effort by grim energy and resolute courage that we move on to better things. Let me state that again. It's worth doing because it's a little deep. It is only through labor and painful effort by grim energy energy, and resolute courage that we move on to better things. Theodore Roosevelt said that. It's his quote. Okay, let's bring on our co-hosts. There's Jeff. Hi, Jeff.
0: Hi, how
1: are things this week? A
0: lot better than last week.
1: Yeah, some that are so smug might not be so smug in another week now, huh? What do you think?
0: Uh, that's a fact.
1: <laughs> you know, it's 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 hell when you're on the defense. It's kinda nice every now and then to go on the offense. Yeah. So yeah. anyhow. That's about all we'll say on that one for now. Just stay tuned folks. It's gonna get interesting. Uh okay. So there's David. And wait till he gets in. Hey, here.
2: Hey, David.
0: How you, How you guys doing?
2: Good, good. How are you? Pretty good. I've been stringing up some fishing poles. I've seen lakes, getting ice on them. Um, I'm not recommending anybody walk on these lakes yet. Um, however, in our northern section of our state, we have like three to five inches. Cadillac, um, and possibly uh, Fulton Lake. So... He's going to be making some road trips real soon. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's safe to walk on it. What about three inches? I know you posted a, uh, a chart for that on another page. Uh, you want to sort of go over that as a safety measure from the show tonight?
2: Um, it's safe to uh, walk on uh, three inches of ice yourself. Um. Two inches or less, stay off. Um, five to six inches, snowmobiles and ATVs. Eight to 12 inches, cars and small trucks. Twelve to 15 inches, medium trucks. There you have it, folks.
1: Stay safe on the ice this year. Don't want to lose anybody in the ice. Okay? Thank you, David, for that. Uh so yeah, we you know it's been pretty cold around. You know it's been in the 20s even during the day around uh, Michigan. Uh, Petoskey, about mm, 180 miles, maybe 200 miles north of the Lansing area, uh, got a 10 inches of snow. That's on the northwest part of the mitten, reported by one of the, the brothers there. And uh, a lot of uh, wild animals and game being reported moving around in the snow turkeys and deer and stuff. Uh, one fella uh, had 30 turkeys, I think he said, went through his yard today. So a lot of interesting stuff here in Michigan, uh, besides just the, the report on plants. But you get out, out in the other areas, and it's kind of cool. Uh, there were 14-foot 14 14 waves coming in uh, into the Grand Haven area. I believe that was Tuesday night. Uh, high winds uh, and lots and lots of waves. People enjoyed watching that. That was really uh, cool for some of the folks. There were no vacancies all over in the the hotels over there, so people do show up. Having said all of that, uh, is there anything else that uh, anybody wants to report on on their week? Okay. Uh, I think Jeff's got a report for us. On the uh, Constitution series. I think it's Series 11 that he's doing. I believe we're at Article 8, uh, Section 15. He finished up with, I think, last week. And we'll proceed from there. Is that correct, Jeff?
0: Yeah, I think we're starting at uh, Section 16, Leroy.
1: Um, okay. I'm you
0: want to take, and, and take that away? Some Go ahead. Of there, looks, some of this looks familiar, so. Article 8 is still um, talking about dimensions, and it's a very long article. It's actually, let me see here, 25 sections. So we will finish Article 8 up next week. We're going to start today with Article 16, and we'll try to keep it a little short. Article Section 16, the International Executive Board shall select from the credentials of the delegates presented a Constitutional Committee, which shall assemble at least two weeks prior to the meeting of the convention at the place designated, it shall be the duty of said committee to take up all recommendations concerning changes or additions to the Constitution submitted by the International Officers, International Executive Board, and local unions to act thereon. This committee shall have the authority to originate amendments to the Constitution. Section 17 is quite long, so um, 17A, the International Executive Board shall select from the credentials of the delegates of the credentials committees, which shall assemble at least 10 days prior to the meeting of the Convention. The committee shall examine all credentials received at the International Office and investigate the standing of the delegates in the local unions they present. We present uh, they shall receive the original credentials from the delegates elected to attend the convention and be in a position to report at the opening of the convention. 17B. All election protests regarding the election of any delegate in the convention must be filed with the credentials committee not more than seven days after the local union delegate elections, or no less than 21 days prior to the convening of the convention, whichever comes first, absent a waiver of those limits by the credentials committee. The protest must be filed by the member of the local in question or be raised by any member of the credentials committee itself. The protest the may, ar- may arise any subject related to the election of the local delegates, including the contact of the committees or use of the union or employer assets. I don't understand why they have employer assets. Um Section C. Um, All the election protests of elections held under Article 10 international officers and regional directors, even though not touching the election of of an indefiable indefiable delegate, must also be filed with the credentials committee, which has exclusive jurisdiction. Thus, any protest of the Conduct, conducts of the campaign for these offices or alleged use of union or employer funds in the campaign or any other matter said to affect the election must be filed with the Credentials Committee. Any such protest must be made in writing as soon as possible, even though the Credentials Committee is already in the session. Such a protest may be made by any UAW member or the issue may be raised directly by any member of the credentials committee itself. D e. If prior to holding an election of delegates, a clear violation of the international constitution or the local union bylaws occurs in the pre election procedures, the international president shall have the authority to order correction of the violation prior to holding such to holding of the election. Such action by the international president is subject to appeal to the Prudentials Committee. E, while the Prudentials Committee sits it has full authority to receive such election protests, evaluate them, and report its findings and recommendations to the full convention. The convention itself is the, is the final authority and so makes the final disposition of all elected protests which represent the credentials committee or directly entertained by permission of delegates under prevention rules on the floor. Uh, if the credentials committee should decide that election by, in any local union has been properly conducted and delegates elected in such, select, such election should not be seated, the credentials committee may jointly with the international president when he she is satisfied that the necessary constitutional interpretations have been reasonably applied or order the delegate election to be rerun in such local union prior to the opening of the convention. This rerun of the initial elections shall be supervised by a subcommittee of the credentials committee, All notices and other time limitations provided in this Constitution shall be automatically waived for such a rerun election, provided every effort shall be made to give the maximum notices permitted by circumstances. Uh, G. If the Convention approves the Credentials Committee's report and recommendation on the initial election, the delegates, elect, the delegates elected in the rerun shall be seated if confirmed by a credentials committee and convention. If the convention should reverse the credentials committee and approve the initial election, the delegates elected from, to such initial election shall be seated in the international union, shall reimburse the local union for the cost of rerunning the election. Section 18, the International Executive Board shall select from the credentials of the delegates to each international convention a resolution committee of not less than seven members, which shall assemble at least ten days prior to to the convening of the convention. It shall be the duty of the said committee to consider such resolutions as may be properly referred to under this Constitution. This committee shall have the authority to originate resolutions to be presented at the convention. Now we're going to finish up with this section 19, Right, um, The International Executive Board shall select the credentials of the delegates to each international convention and several other committees necessary to successfully promote Execute the efficient operation of the convention. Such committees shall convene no not later than two days prior to the opening of the convention. And we'll stop there and we'll finish the rest off next week. We'll start okay, next that'll
1: week finish up uh, Article 21. 8, right? We'll go through 20. Uh, 20. And through 25 next week. Is that correct?
0: That's correct, really.
1: Okay, good enough. So now that you know, uh, is there anything in this section that you believe needs to be changed at all in your reading of it and, and losing it?
0: There was... Um, yeah. Uh, D, the last sentence... Protests may, may rise, any subject related to the election, the local delegates, including the conduct of the campaign or use of union or employer assets. I don't understand the employer assets, really. Um Maybe you can explain that to me a little bit.
1: Uh, well... Uh... The I I looked at that a couple of times. The you know, use of union or employer assets uh, in the, uh, including the conduct of the campaign. So, mm-hmm.
0: uh,
1: this is regarding the conduct conduct of the campaign leading up to the convention, and right. should any union assets or employer assets be used? To promote a candidate Now remember we talked about this And we'll talk about it a little bit more uh, Tonight in my report uh, Because Title 29 USC 481G Is this issue Um, And uh, We'll be talking about that Uh, Last week we sort of uh, got Started running out of time At an hour and a half we started getting along So I cut my own report just a little short but I'm going to uh, do uh, address that but uh, as, uh, as you may know you and the listeners uh, there are rules that say the company may not give anything of value to a union that includes interfering in our election with you know private investigators uh, you know saying anything that's reports one candidate over another, uh, and this addresses this in the constitutional conventional uh, executive board officers, uh, mostly, and or delegates to the convention. Okay. So not only is the union prevented from using dues, dollars, or any monies in uh, an election, but also the company, and I believe this section right here, and there was another uh, blurb about it uh, in the next paragraph or so down, uh, and that was uh, me, but there was another reference to it uh, oh, yep. about company assets, and that's what this is about as far as I would interpret this, Jeff, and the listeners. Okay? Okay. So yeah, that that that's we're not managing their assets, but if we can determine that mm-hmm. their assets used in our campaign, then it's uh appealable to the credentials committee. Okay. Got it. Okay. Uh, Makes sense. So I, yeah, that that's what that's that's about. Um so it's interesting. There's two committees, one that uh deals with constitutional changes and one that deals with resolutions that might change the Constitution. (laughs) So uh, It's a little interesting. It seems like there's a duopoly there, so
0: I'm not sure Mm that that's
1: weird, but uh, we'll go with it, you know, so for now. I'm not sure that uh, 16 is necessary, but uh, I don't know that it needs to be changed either. So, uh, uh, David, do you have any comments? Questions on Jeff's report?
2: Um, the Constitutional Resolutions Committee. Can you explain to the members um, what happens to their resolutions in this committee once they're um, submitted to the recording secretary at their locals? Okay.
1: okay, we can go through that process real, real quick. Uh, first of all, uh, let's say somebody has an idea. Uh, on a, a constitution change. And in the preamble, we'll just use this as an example, uh, it says all workers will have a, a voice in their own destiny. And uh, as you know, David, we wrote uh, a an appeal, or I'm sorry, a, a resolution uh, last cycle for this particular issue. And we asked only that the word... Uh, worker be changed to member so that any member have a voice in their own destiny. Uh, Make sure that uh, that is broadened a little bit, uh, that all members have a voice in their own destiny. So you write this up, and, you know, ostensibly you have this in hand, and you're required to file this with your local union recording secretary. Okay, one of the jobs I did for three terms – so I was in receipt of all of these uh, at one point for several or at least two cycles that I did uh, this. Nine years, they only had uh, I like think two conventions during my time. Uh, so that uh, then uh, goes to your local union membership. And oftentimes your local union will schedule a special meeting to consider resolutions because there's a lot of them and they're real, you know, most of them are pretty important. So this resolutions meeting and uh, they're considered, they're they're read and considered uh, or offered as a bundle for people to read and then considered as a bundle. That does happen from time to time. That seems to be, you know, that there's all, uh, everyone's in agreement. Of course, you can always ask to have one set aside Out of the bundle, should they be doing that, and vote on it separately? Okay. So in the bundle, if everybody concurs, then you can vote on that, or ask for them to be uh, considered individually. In the case of, I think uh, David asked for three to be uh, considered individually uh, uh, that were written, uh, and they were they were read, read read in their entirety and considered by the membership and voted on the mem- by the membership. And uh, once pr- if approved, once approved, those then gets uh, uh, bundled and sent to the International uh, Resolutions, uh, uh, International Union in care of the Resolutions Committee. Okay? And then the Resolutions Committee then meets, and they consider all of these resolutions. And then they they uh, uh, bundle those together. They pick like if there's several on the issue of changing the the name or the word worker to member. Let's say there's several of those, so they'll choose the one that seems to be uh, most well written. And then, if they approve that, they put it into their resolution book to be considered by the constitutional convention and there is a whole little uh, packet full of resolutions that then get considered by the uh, total uh, convention again it can be you know you can approve them in mass or you can ask for one to be set aside to be discussed and uh, then voted on separately Okay, but you have to have the votes in order to do that. But typically, that occurs. Uh, they'll allow you to vote on one separate, uh, and then if once passed, then they that change would be implemented and the uh, constitution would be changed accordingly. So the constitution may change at every constitutional convention. So you need to keep if you're you know uh, a constitution aficionado you need to keep a copy of your old Constitution books so you can see all the changes, either in book form or in digital form. Uh, so that's how that whole process seems to work. Is, uh, is Any question on that, David? Is there anything that you seem that oh. might have left out? I think I covered it all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You covered it. Thank you. Jeff, is that is yeah, that yeah. your understanding as well? Then?
0: Yes. Yes, okay. that's what okay. I Okay. So now I, everybody something
1: knows I also well, I
0: also have heard and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, that a lot of times the resolution committee will find a resolution that's maybe submitted by some plants or locals to benefit the members a little bit more, like one man, one vote they will play politics with it and not even approve it for the convention. Is that truly right. right?
1: That is true. They do not have to approve resolutions that have been passed by the membership, even if they've been passed by several or even all local unions. The Resolutions Committee has the authority to put in their book only those they deem uh, Uh, having the merit to put in their book to be considered by the convention so they can uh, sidetrack, they can play like you say, play politics and sidetrack those Uh, and they're also uh, as you just read uh, empowered to uh, uh, write, you know consider their own resolution and and create their own resolution for consideration at the convention of course any resolution Can be brought up from the floor of of the resolution or of the of the convention. If you have the votes, it could then be passed.
0: Yeah. So that again, that's taking away the membership's voice of the uh, constitution as a union, and I just think that's wrong. um, In politics, in that matter, Um, that's. All I gotta say is I have okay. a real problem with them playing politics with
1: that kind of stuff. Yeah, it 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 is, you know, it not is it has been used over the years to be a filter for things they deem not worthy to hit the convention floor. Uh, again, you know, if you have the votes on the floor, you can pass just about anything you want, but you have to have the votes on the floor, and that goes back to. Part of your report tonight, running for convention delegate. Uh, right. That's important to be of oh, like mind if we're looking to reform things. This is where you do it. You run for convention delegate at your local union, and then you go to the convention uh, unvetted by, or unfettered by anybody that's trying to influence you. And believe me, there is a lot of influence to try and get you to vote the way they want you to. And for the candidates, they want you to. So you have to be laser-focused once you get there. Okay? All right. Uh, Anything else? No. Okay. On on Jeff's report, nothing else. Okay. Having uh, heard no more, uh, we'll move on to David's report. This is quite an interesting report. David, go ahead.
2: Leroy, I'm actually going to speak on two issues tonight. Um, um, one is some good news and uh, the other one not so good. I would like to do an update on Peter Ropp. Um But first, I'm going to speak on protect our pensions. Um, keep in mind while I'm reporting this that this affects multi-employer pension plans. Um, Teamsters Union, um, other unions um, that are um, combined together into a pension plan. Um, at Ford, General Motors, and FCA, um, we are private in, um, pension plans, so this legislation doesn't affect us. Um, in the uh, Senate, the act is called the Bush butch lewis act of 2017 senate 2147 this was sponsored by u.s senator sherrod brown ohio and the rehabilitation for multi-employer pensions act of 2017 h.r. 4444 sponsored by rep richard neal democrat maine both offer real protective solutions that rehabilitate failing plans um, and bolster the PBGC. Um, if these were passed, um, they would protect the benefits of millions of retirees and their families, workers and their families. Um, this innovative legislation would create a, rehabilitate, a rehabilitation administration within the Treasury Department It would provide low-cost loans, qualified, underfunded, multi-employer pension plans. Under the legislation, if a plan was troubled, it would have up to 30 years to prudently invest a loan. These funds would um, then be used um, to pay retiree benefits, improve the plan's financial position, and pay interest on the loan to the treasury. At the end of the 30-year period, the plan would pay back the loan in full. In order to be eligible for the loan, a plan would have to demonstrate that the loan would enable the plan to remain solvent, pay all retirees' benefits and loan interest, and repay the loan principal when due. During the loan period, contributing employers, would have to maintain their contribution levels, and the plan would not be allowed to make any increases to retirees' benefits. Um, While that might be sad that they wouldn't see any increases, um, the protection of keeping what they have is definitely there. So it's my sincere hope that uh, these bills pass. Um, There seems to be support on both sides of the aisle for it. So we'll keep an eye on this and, um, it's something we'll look at in the future. Um, I'd like to talk now a little bit about Peter Rob. Um, we spoke about Peter Rob on the show when he was nominated by Donald Trump, um, to be the agency's top enforcement, um, general counsel, um, He is now seated in his new position. Um, He took over on November 17th. He succeeded Richard Griffin, the former general counsel, who before that had been the lead counsel for the Operating Engineers Union. Griffin's term ended November 1st. Um, Some history on Peter Robb. At 36 years of age, He is the attorney who drew up the memo justifying President Ronald Reagan's firing of the air traffic controllers. Now, he is the general counsel of the NLRB. On his first day on the job, he sent out a memo to all NLRB regional directors on December 1st, freezing enforcement actions and indicating he wants to roll back dozens of NLRB pro-worker rulings handed down in the last eight years when Democratic President Barack Obama had named a board majority. That's correct. Um, We no longer have a majority on the board. Republicans do. Um, Rob also stated, any new initiatives will come to a screeching halt. Um, this was some very bad news for all unionized workers and ununionized workers. Um, so that's the update on Peter Robb. I'm sure we'll hear more in the future about this man. Um, in fact, you can bank on it. That's all I have, Larry. Uh,
1: okay. Uh, that's... Uh... Interesting on Peter Rob stating such things uh, as there is a director of the Department of Labor that might have something to say about all of his wishes as Peter Rob's wishes, uh, general counsel is at the pleasure of the president, but to be there for the director of the Department of Labor uh, to uh, adjudicate, and uh, their job is to enforce National Labor Relations Act. Uh, So for him to say that sort of flies in the face of his duties as general counsel, I would expect. So um, we'll see if any of our uh, good uh, labor uh, representatives in the House or the senators in, in the Senate have anything to say about this independent actions of policy rather than uh, law enforcement, as the general counsel is proscribed to do. Uh, we'll be watching. So those of you aspiring to retain your cushy job in Congress under new leadership from the UAW, you should be standing up right about now. Okay um, Interesting stuff Jeff do you have anything on either of Dave's sports?
0: Yeah just keeps, keeps saying looking like uh, The working class Of the United States It keeps getting Beat down every week Even more so since Mr. Trump took office and I think it's time for the working middle class to stand up and fight back. We've only been talking about this for a while. Um, enough's enough But this new tax bill that's being proposed, um, to lose a lot of things. So I just a lot of people wake up. Smell the coffee because it's getting bad. Sorry, I have to
1: say, anyway. Yeah, we, you know, we're we're here every week trying to give you good information about what's going on. And, uh, you know, tell a friend or two so they can be updated as well. Uh, I do have some of more to say on David's first report. Uh David is, I believe, you reported this is for multi-employer pension. Plans is that not correct? The protections that they're being considered now—that's
2: correct, um, like the Teamsters um, Central um, Fund—and mm-hmm.
1: bolstering the yep. uh, Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation would assist them as a multi-employer pension plan uh, in in ways that uh, uh, sh- should be very uh, beneficial. I would point out that the Pension uh, Protection Act of 2006 still exists for single employer plans and that language has been copied and pasted directly into our Detroit 3 agreements. So there's no appealing to the higher authority of the government because it's now contractual and it would happen automatic. The reason I bring that up, especially since David has talked about the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation in regard to multi-employers, as this is in our agreement now and automatic, not subject to appeal to the tr- Department of... Any funding level below 80% is an automatic cut of your pension, vested portion of your pension, by 50%. In other words, your supplement that is not vested would simply vanish and you would get half of the vested portion of your pension. For many folks, that's in the neighborhood of seven to $900. Take your pick. That is in the agreement. And if you think the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation is going to protect you, the language states that you get the lesser of listen real close. The lesser of your vested fifty percent of your vested portion of your pension, or the pension benefit guarantee pension benefit guarantee corporation amount PBGC. Ha- the lesser of that. So, if the PBGC is less than your pension because you didn't work a lot and you're not very old yet, you would get less than half of your pension, the vested portion of your pension, under these rules. Those of you who are out there that are retired or a retiree-in-waiting should pay particular attention to what was just said here on this show. And you should be repeating that to your other retired friends or retired-in-waiting friends. Now, with regard to all of that, let me just return to our Constitution. Article 2, Objects, Section 1. In other words, this is in the important part of the Constitution, the early articles, and it's the Section 1 of Article 2. So authority goes to the earlier articles, and it goes to the earlier section in each article. Let me just read. Article 2, Objects, Section 1. To improve working conditions, create a uniform system of shorter hours, higher wages, health care, and pensions to maintain and protect the interests of workers under the jurisdiction of this international union. Now, Shorter hours, higher wages. Under the last contracts, we've seen wages get cut in half for incoming people. Working conditions for the temporaries are just horrendous. We're getting into my report a little bit. I got two. Two. Two temporaries that I heard from this week
0: that have been injured on the
1: job after years on the working as a temporary and they have been told this is regarding work to improve working conditions folks they have been told that if they file restrictions from their doctors that they will be summarily discharged and that's not coming from HR that's coming from the medical department So medical department is monitoring HR's position regarding your health care. And I would submit that HR, I'm sorry, that the medical department has nothing to do with HR because of HIPAA. And there's an ongoing case about that from a seniority we're getting them all here, folks. We're sort of the, the uh, uh, marshalling area for all of these issues so that when we do ascend to leadership, we can certainly properly address them to management because the Constitution says to improve working conditions, to protect the interests of the workers. Improving working conditions, do, conditions does not, in my mind, or I believe in the mind of anybody on our team, include threatening to fire somebody because they've been injured on the job and now are re, required to have restrictions because they're doing two people's jobs now instead of one or three people's, in some case four people's job. We can prove it. Okay, so, shorter hours, okay, higher wages, they got cut in half, working conditions, the temporaries are being treated like slaves, 1850 style, healthcare has been really diminished since Viva for retirees has gone into effect, Uh, you know, arguably... Uh, depending on your current situation uh, directly to the VBA without including the the pension reductions
0: uh, around
1: twenty five hundred bucks maybe a little more there's a thousand attributable to pension loss Cola ketchup that was implemented in nineteen ninety six under Steve Jokic. that's the last. The last uh, increase of retiree, I believe they got 2% increase under Steve Jokic in 1996. For those of you paying attention, listen, 1996, Jokic was dead in 2007. Pay attention, folks. You're hearing it from somebody else incorrectly. About a 2% increase then. And the cola ketchup was implemented, $1,000 a year around the Christmas time. That was the Christmas bonus. That's gone away. So pensions have been diminished. It's on the board in the contract, in the last contract, to cut your pension in half if the funding levels go below a certain level in the face of corporate life insurance, otherwise known as dead peasants insurance, where billions of dollars are being siphoned off. Into executives' pension plans, we know that the former. I mean, What's remember? Former CEO of Ford Company had an 858 million dollar pension. He only made 22 million dollars a year. Yeah. So this particular section of Article Two seems to fly in the face of what's been going on lately, and while nobody's been brought up on charges, they certainly have violated this section of the contract, in my opinion. Improving working conditions, we'll, just, we'll stick with the example of the temporary worker, threatened to be discharged if you get hurt on the job and have restrictions. Another one's been summarily fired because he got hurt on the job. We're in contact with all of them, brothers and sisters and listeners. Shorter hours? Well, they've been working a lot of overtime certain places and not, you know, very much other places. So higher wages, ever higher wages. Well, it doesn't seem that they've been getting higher wages they cut them in half for a lot of people, the incoming people. That's not higher health cares And pensions are under attack, not the least of which is the loss of cola ketchup since the inception of the Viva. And now subject to 50% cut of your vested portion of your pension or the lesser of, PBGC benefit, Whichever's less. That doesn't seem to be in compliance with this part of the Constitution. And that's who's there now doing this to you, the leadership that's there. You should really pay attention to what we're saying here tonight. This is in violation of a section of the Constitution. They haven't had any charges on them only because people didn't realize what's been going on. Thus, working for a living exists, and while we're not going to file any charges, to my knowledge, unless somebody brings that up, what will happen is we're going to win each and every office at the next convention. And we're going to stop this stuff. We will comply with the Constitution of the UAW to improve working conditions so the temporaries have a pathway to seniority. And even if they get hurt as a temporary, if they have restrictions, they're not going to be discharged. We'll work for higher wages because we'll end Diversion of money to, re- to executive pension plans. It turns out they need authority from every retiree to do that. We'll assure that such authority is no longer in place or uh, we'll figure a way out so that that stops. We will, because that money will then st- At the bottom line, and the government gets a bite out of the apple. Employees, our members, get a bite out of the apple. Stock and bondholders get a bite out of the apple. And the communities in which these corporations exist will get a small bite out of the apple as well because money will be returned to the bottom line. We'll be good for the economy, not bad. We will make America great again. In concert with all of our other union sisters and brothers in other unions around the nation. And it's nice, truly nice, to see Hoffa wake up from a long sleep this past month. So, that's part of David and part of Jeff's report. And I wove it into mine. I do want to talk a little bit about, does anybody, let me ask you, David and Jeff, on this portion of my own report, does, do either of you have a comment or question?
0: Um, you are totally correct, right? we um, will make things great again, law members.
1: Yeah, those that are there can't just do it. I mean, I'd just as soon be doing something different, although I love what I'm doing right now. You know, do your job, and we wouldn't exist, but it's too late now because you haven't done it, and you haven't done it for so long that it's really gotten out of control, so we're going to take over. Pay attention, that's going to happen. You won't even know it's coming going on right underneath your noses right now and you don't even know it I would suggest to all of the listeners as you navigate the internet pay attention to the join the team logo pay attention to it that's all i got to say because it's targeted to you specifically just pay attention all right David, do you have anything on that?
2: No,
0: I don't. Okay. All
1: right. Thank you. Uh, I did say last week, and I'm going to finish up this week, with uh, that law, it's federal law, and of course none of us are lawyers here, so we can only give you a layperson's thought on it, although it's written in real English, so most of us should be able to understand it. Uh, It is, for those... Uh, uh, interested it's title 29 us code 481 and that is section g and g's title is use of dues assessments or similar levies and funds of an of employer for promotion of candidacy of person okay No monies received by any labor organization by way of dues assessment or similar levy and no monies of an employer shall be contributed to or applied to promote the candidacy of any person in any election subject to the provisions of this subchapter. Such monies of a labor organization may be utilized for notices, factual statements of issues not involving candidates, and other necessary expenses for the holding of an election. Other expenses necessary for the holding of an election. So that's what it says. Okay, so no labor organization or no employer may use any monies to promote the candidacy of any person in any election subject to rev- provisions of this subchapter. Okay, and this subchapter is terms of office and election procedures. That's what 481 is in total. And as you may remember, Um, I believe it's A that says we shall have elections either by convention or by secret ballot. Okay. Uh, Secret ballot among the members in good standing or at convention of delegates chosen by secret ballot. And that's what Jeff was talking about a little earlier. One member, one vote means secret ballot among the members in good standing. Okay, that's one member gets one vote, and those votes get tallied nationally. Or at convention of delegates chosen by secret ballot, and those delegates get chosen at the local union, and then those delegates get influenced and go to convention and vote the way in the past, the way that the current administration wants you to vote for their resolutions, any matters before the convention, and for elected officials for the International Executive Board. So those are the things that this subchapter 481 uh, include. So you may not use dues dollars, either company or union. And we're watching real close. We're watching real close on the matter of dues, dollars, and companies, monies being used for the purposes of uh, this uh, any election, any election. So um, having said that, I see Jeff had to call back in and bring him back on. Uh, now, as we watch, and of course we had a real nice article a uh, comment to an article in the Automotive News about a week ago, so many of you were able to see that. If you haven't seen it, uh, it's, you know, just Google Leroy McKnight and the uh, nomination of uh, UAW elected, uh, UAW officers. Uh, Michael Wayland. B-I-L-E-N-D was the author, so if you get all three of those, I think you'll, you'll see the article and the subsequent comment below it. Worth reading. Uh, and pointed out much of what I just said, only this is probably now in a much broader uh, venue now that you've listened to that. So uh, having said that, uh, uh, Jeff, I see you're back. Do you have any comment on what I just reported on on the federal law?
0: No. You hit it. It's right pretty button. much
1: self-explanatory. Nobody can, yes. nobody can do that. They haven't been challenged ever, uh, but we're watching. You know, we're watching, so we'll see. Um, no accusations. Nobody knows anything. We're just watching. We'll see. Uh, David, do you have anything
2: on that? Yeah, a request. Um, you,
0: could you um,
2: read um, the response to the automotive news in its entirety on the show? For those well, who haven't had an opportunity to read it themselves? <laughs>
1: I gotta find it. <laughs> I've had it up here for oh there it is. I think I got it. I guess I could do that. Uh thank you. Um let's see if it's last I knew it's still here. Yep. Uh okay. Uh, it's five after eight. It shouldn't take too long. Uh, <clears throat> here we go. Um this article have, had been taken down errantly, the, I guess, either because of a damaged link or because it was quite long and they thought it could be spam. So uh, I'll go ahead and read this for everybody's edification. I think we actually posted this on our page, on our dot .com page. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that we did that. Uh, this is 10 days ago, so if you look back on the 1st, I believe it was, uh, that's when we did uh, th- this... Uh, Response was to a November 30th uh, article and meeting. So, uh, as here we go. As it happens, I'm very pleased to be invited to join into this particular conversation to comment. Throughout my comment, let uh, let us remember that the reported overriding message of this article and purpose of this meeting is, "In quote." the UAW's administrative caucus consisting of national and local officers and members is scheduled to meet Thursday in Detroit to make its comments, its recommendations for leadership positions, including secretary, treasurer, vice presidents, and president, something that has been, end quote, something that has been done over and over for almost 70 years. The article itself sourced anonymously, by three people familiar with the plans, end quote, is well written and provides some very interesting and well-crafted information for the unwitting. Please indulge me as I add some additional education to the information provided in this very good author's article. First, it is no wonder that when the author asked the UAW for official comment, the result was... A UAW, quote, a UAW spokesman declined to comment, end quote. Then the article addresses, quote, the meeting is part of the union's election process, end quote. There's some other things because there's an ellipsis. It went on to say more, but uh, again, the meeting is part of the union's election process, End quote. and includes that that link to the UAW constitution i'm very glad for that uh, for that is being offered as the authority so in this comment we will be referencing the UAW constitution quite a bit and of course referencing a little bit of federal law now there is the question of whether this meeting is actually part of the union's election process and provided for in the UAW Constitution remember the Constitution is the the authority given for this meeting let's start with referencing federal law authority title 29 USC 481 a just covered that a bit uh, titled international uh, international labor organizations manner of election this section obviously provides for either a direct election by secret ballot or at convention of delegates by uh, delegates chosen by secret ballot clearly the UAW long ago chose the method of at a convention of delegates and that can be found in article 8 of the UAW constitution Article 8 does indeed provide for the nomination of local union delegates to the convention, and it also provides for nomination for executive office during convention. However, Article 8 of the UAW Constitution does not in any way provide for nomination of executive officers other than at the convention itself, and most especially not at any previous meeting or caucus meeting oh the truth of the matter is that this particular meeting whose reported purpose is to nominate executive office officers is not in any way a part of the union election process as provided for by the UAW Constitution but rather as reported The true purpose of this meeting is a Ruther caucus meeting for its international nomination of UAW, I'm sorry, internal nomination of UAW executive officers, also to be nominated at convention. I would also now note that this meeting is being held during Thursday in the middle of the week that there will be Leadership and members traveling from all over the country and even some lodging may be required. Another matter in this article is the union's practice of not allowing anyone age 65 or older to run for office, end quote. Okay. So let's return to the UAW Constitution. I have both read and digitally searched the entire UAW Constitution, most especially Article 8, for any any language limiting the age of executive officers to 65 years of age, and such language does not exist. Now, very clearly the age limit is not at all the union's practice Founded in the UAW Constitution But rather a self-imposed Ruther caucus rule Created some 70 years ago Yes That's seven decades ago And we all know That the function Of the chronological age 65 In the late 1940s Is not the same functionality Of a 65 year old In 2017 In fact just last year, the UAW itself endorsed a 69 year old woman for President of the United States. And in 2015, the National Accounting Authority, FASB, FASBE, raised the funding requirements, pension funding requirements, by over 20% to accommodate the average age in the US rising by 20%. At at a time of great controversy, one would expect that the UAW itself would be more forthcoming about this particular meeting and not and not simply express no comment. And that even the three the quote three people familiar with the plans end quote as they confided to this officer author, would have tended toward the accurate and not have been obfuscative. It is most certainly true that the Ruther caucus has been conducting these same activities near 70 years, so long, in fact, that these activities have become normal. But are they truly compliant Having said that, I thank the author for such a well-written, art well-written and timely article, and I can barely express how happy I am to see this information in black letter print in such a mainstream media source. Oh, there is this one other tiny little thing. Title 29 USC 481 G. i'll let you read that and draw your own conclusions leroy mcknight chair team working for a living the other national uaw caucus end of comment that was about 11 minutes now everybody knows Thanks for asking for that, David. Has anybody got any comments on that?
2: Um, I actually spoke with the author of that article. Um, he was um, very good about helping you get that back onto um, the post. Um, Correct. I think he, that really opened his up. eyes.
1: Right. That, uh, that, and I, it was... Uh, he was it was a nice conversation. Uh he was very good and it did get put back up within minutes. And I thank the uh the entire organization for that. Especially him. Jeff, do you have anything? No, I don't. Okay. All right. Uh so that's that's it folks. Uh you know, that's that's what's been going on. Uh that was uh last Friday, week ago Friday that we did that, Uh, and, you know, we're watching everything around here, uh, and it keeps us pretty busy. Uh, We're working long, long hours, as some of you may know or notice. You know, my days start uh, sometimes at 4 a.m., and typically around 7.30. Uh, Even today, I started writing about 7.30, uh, for another project not related to the show, and it's been nonstop. I did get a chance to get out and get something to eat in lunch period time, but we're pretty busy around here. Uh, and I know David and Jeff are also busy doing what they do for the caucus, and all of the other members that are not uh, openly on this radio show are also working hard uh you know as as much as anything uh helping members and rest that have been disenfranchised as best they can so we we are working hard and we're doing a lot of what uh we'll be doing after we're ascending to leadership so already we've had a lot of successes we'll be talking about those successes later. No, know, I've got uh, some uh, real eye-opener earlier today, uh-huh. and we'll be discussing that in our uh, next week and seeing what we want to do about that. in a real positive thing, real nice thing. Uh, some people are really, really stand-up people in our union, and they just need to be recognized for what they're doing. Uh, I, t- I tell you, I don't know. What the best way to doing it is, but uh, we'll figure it out. We'll talk about it, and you'll you'll find out about it. So, having said all of that, um, I'll ask uh, ask Jeff uh, if he has anything else that you or anybody that you've been talking to wants to bring to the attention of the show and the listeners. Jeff.
0: Um, yeah, you hit it up the um, mail earlier, right? When you were talking about the Part-timers getting hurt on the job and all the other things they have to go through. I've been trying to help some of my people on the same thing. Um, who have been hurt, and I'm not going to get into too much detail because I have to finish talking to the gentleman tomorrow, hopefully if he comes in, but uh, there's a lot right, of doctor, things going on inside like
1: dissemination, but, you
0: know, I mean, generalities here. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're all, We've got a lot of things to educate people real fast, and luckily, a lot of my co-workers have a lot of faith in me, and they come to me. They don't trust their elected reps. Hell, so we don't even see the elected reps. Um, I hear that's standard in most plants nowadays. But yeah, we... We got to do a better job after these folks and what they're getting. They deserve it. Sorry all I Okay,
2: David. Um, I don't have anything, Larry.
1: Okay, thank you. Well, having said, I'm I've, I've said about all I need to say tonight. I think. Uh, uh, again, if you found value in this show, tell just one person. You know, retirees are going to benefit a lot, but it isn't just for retirees, as you've just seen. You know, we're talking about temporary workers and people that are in the tier system, and we have plans to address all of that. So, if you found value in in this, uh, please just tell one other person. Uh, again, our email address is workingforaliving at living dot com. You know, it's spelled a little funny. There's no G's on working or living, and uh, four is a number, not a word. So working for a living at workingforaliving.com, and that's email address. And that, if you can't get a hold of us any other way in Facebook or anything else, send us a message. You know, I mean, if you think that you've been somehow disenfranchised in any way, simply send us an email. I mean, it's simple enough to do, and we try to be responsive to everybody's, you know, comments. Uh, et, et cetera. So uh, having said that, uh, I want to shout out to all our friends around the world uh, and all our friends in Canada and even Mexico that listen in. Uh, certainly all of the, the members of UAW nationwide here and all other unions and non-union workers that aspire to be union workers. We're working to help you make that happen. Believe us. We, we know that it's best when you stick together to deal with management. And we believe that you know that as well. Uh, While you might not be forthright about it, we're here to help, okay, and we're going to make it easier to become a union member, not harder. Okay, and we will be delivering things that you haven't seen in a while. Because that's just what we do. Say, hey, Leroy, you make things happen. Well, I I guess I do. You know, so we'll we'll see if we can, you know, make some things happen. We're already doing that. Uh but having said that, um listeners, you know, have a good night. Stay safe the coming week. Please stay safe the coming week. And remember our fallen brother and your thoughts and prayers and his family and co- friends and co-workers take a second and just remember i have been Bridgewater okay good night everybody good night David and Jeff
0: good night good night everybody